Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. By 2008, Gwyneth Paltrow had conquered Hollywood. Her next frontier, her wellness company, Goop, would prove more controversial and indeed successful than everything before it combined. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello. Hello. Part three of three. I know. We're nearly there. We're, well, we're here now <laughs> at part three, so I guess we've basically made it. Let's have a really quick chat about what we covered in episode two. We touched on the fact that the casual relationship between Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Affleck did fizzle out. It kind of seemed to be a non-event. Yeah, they seemed pretty casual. That relationship ended just as she was gearing up to star in the 2001 hit Shallow Hell. That movie did well commercially, but culturally it was certainly controversial. For those who need the refresher, this was the film where Gwyneth cosplayed fatness by wearing a fat suit. As you can imagine, it not only didn't age well, it wasn't received well at the time by plenty of people either. Yeah, a few years ago, Gwyneth admitted that her involvement in that film was a disaster, but didn't elaborate much more on it. Now, Gwyneth's life turned upside down in 2002 when her dad, Bruce Paltrow, died of throat cancer. They were actually on her 30th birthday trip in Italy and he didn't make it home, Mm -hmm. which sounds like quite a traumatic story. Three weeks after her dad died, she actually met Chris Martin, the then 25-year-old frontman of Coldplay. He wrote Fix You about Gwyneth's grief, which we love. I love love the song. I love the story. I will never get over that. These two were renowned for being anti-partying, maybe a little boring, quite health conscious. By 2003, they were married and pregnant with their first baby, Apple, 
as we know, that name for a child was extremely controversial. There were whispers that it was some kind of sponsorship with Apple, the tech company. It really got strange. <laughs> now, Gwen took time out of her career to be a mum. By 2008, she was back acting in Marvel's Iron Man and she was launching a little recommendations newsletter by the name of Goop. A month or so later, she launched a website for Goop and that is where we left off. It is 2008 and Goop is about to take the world by storm. All right, Zara, we're now in 2009 and a 37-year-old Gwyneth Paltrow's new business venture, Goop, which at this point in time was a newsletter and a website, had gained a pretty respectable readership of about 150,000 people. Gwyneth was also enjoying a bit of a renaissance of her acting career with her starring role in Iron Man alongside Robert Downey Jr. It's probably worth reminding the listeners the general vibe that the public had towards Gwyneth Paltrow, mm. which was pretty blonde, rich, Skinny. perfect girl, right? Yes. There was already a level of eye roll that the public had towards Gwyneth Paltrow. The other thing that's important to note at this point in the timeline is in 2009, the world was buckling under the weight of the global financial crisis. Because of this, people weren't necessarily happy or in a place to welcome a new luxury newsletter from Gwyneth Paltrow, famous Nepo baby. Yeah. I can see exactly what was happening. Absolutely. Upon Goop's launch, Jezebel ran a damning takedown of them. They wrote, lady, you should take your macrobiotic recipes with their expensive ingredients and shove them up your yogurific ass. Talk about tone deaf. Debuting this website the week after a stock market crash shows that Paltrow is is about as publicly savvy as Marie Antoinette. This one's a tricky one for me. I can understand the public disdain for anything luxurious, everything exorbitant at this time. But also, Gwyneth is not forcing anyone to look at Goop or come over to Goop. She's just kind of playing in her own corner of the internet. So I'm torn to be like, yeah, maybe tone deaf if you're shoving this in everyone's faces but also no one's forced to Google goop.com either. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that Jezebel is arguing that anyway. I think the public relations nature of the launch around this time is just silly, right? Mm. And tone deaf. Like it does misunderstand where the world is at at that single point in time. I mean, it is interesting wording as well. I'm not sure I'll always love, like, the shove them up your yogurific ass. Mm. Like, I do think we can have smarter conversations <laughs> with that, that kind of language. But, yeah, I can certainly see both sides. This is a woman, though, who's never pretended to be anything but a very wealthy white woman. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think there's that to acknowledge as well. It wasn't the only hate at this point, though, that Gwyneth Paltrow would be getting. In 2010, she starred in a movie called Country Strong. She actually played an emotionally unstable country music star trying to resurrect her career. Sounds like a great premise for a film. I was <laughs> yeah. like, how have I never heard of this? I hadn't either. Now, it meant actually that she was required to sing for the role. Yes, and not just sing for the role, also perform live at the 2010 Country Music Awards. Gwyneth actually sang a song from the film with a full band and played the guitar at the 2010 CMAs. We're going to play you a clip from this because I couldn't believe that she went full muso for a time. Full country muso. Yeah, here's a snippet. 
she was so nervous about this performance that she could not sleep and lost her appetite. Before the performance, she told People magazine, if I can keep my nerves under control, I can survive it. I thought she did really well in this. Watching it back, to watch an actress who you've never seen sing, never seen play guitar, never seen in the country space at Mm. all, just randomly stand up and perform live, I thought she did amazing. It was giving Bradley Cooper. At yeah. the Oscars. And everyone lauded him when he got up and started singing live. Exactly. But for some reason, this performance deeply annoyed <laughs> a lot of people. Even though it did receive a standing ovation at the actual event, in the Daily News, Soraya Roberts wrote, the 38-year-old Academy Award winner appeared nervous as she hunched over her guitar and tapped her chunky black heels as country veteran Vince Gill sang by her side. Throughout the performance, Gill appeared to be encouraging the jittery star, going so far as to yell some words of encouragement at the end of the song as the audience stood up to give them a standing ovation. In response to a lot of the annoyance, and I wouldn't call it backlash. Backlash is certainly the wrong word. But just like, again, the eye roll Mm. attitude towards this performance, Mary Elizabeth Williams wrote a story titled Why Do So Many People Hate Gwyneth Paltrow for Salon? I think it's probably worth pulling out a few sentences here, Mish, because I think it really speaks to the sentiment at the time. Absolutely. We really enjoyed this line. Two words for you, Gwyneth Paltrow. Did you just shudder a little in revulsion? Did you roll your eyes in proletarian disgust? Did a low ugh sound escape from your lips? You are not alone, my friend. Miss Paltrow may be the single most despised Oscar-winning, rock star-marrying, magazine cover-gracing, standing ovation at the Country Music Awards getting woman in the world. There's a lot of Anne Hathaway and our disdain for Anne Hathaway in that sentence. Heaps. The piece went on. Gwyneth Hate is nothing new, of course. Taller, blonder, richer than thou, she has, since she launched her career 15 years ago, represented the epitome of everything most mere mortals will never come close to being. A little Miss Perfect who had sex with Brad Pitt. But in recent years, as the economy has tanked and the proportion of have-nots to haves has grown exponentially, the line between Gwyneth and everybody else in the world has deepened into an unfathomable chasm. <sighs> I mean, even these pieces are of their time as well, being in sort of the 2010-ish era. Yeah. But I think it speaks so perfectly to the fact that she was sort of operating in a different planet. Yeah, I think it also speaks to the fact that maybe online in particular, I mean, we're really seeing a rise of online culture around this time. We do expect people to be relatable. I don't know if we expected relatability of celebrities so much back in the day as we did the moment we all became online. It's like her wealth continually comes up when people explain why they hate her. When I would say there are so many Hollywood celebrities who are more wealthy than Gwyneth Paltrow that you don't read this about. I think you're right. I think there is something about the line in the sand from when we crossed over into a sort of an online era where it kind of democratised how we all had conversations. Mm. And so I think maybe we all thought it must democratise everything else as well. Yeah. Like we all must in some way show the vulnerable parts of ourselves and the raw parts 
parts of ourselves and prove that we're all just like each other. But the reality is she was never like us and she never purported to be. No, and I do wonder, look, I'm not saying Gwyneth is not unproblematic. We're about to include so many things that suggest part of her is problematic. I don't know if men do this to other famous men, though, that are really wealthy. I don't know if we read all this analysis about George Clooney being too rich or too attractive. We do read women writing that about female celebrities, though. Absolutely. Regardless of the haters, though, Gwyneth did seem to be kind of thriving. She had starring roles in movies again, and of course she had Goop. By 2014, Goop was actually a full-blown e-commerce startup, and it was arguably the first of its kind. Mm. In 2014, it sold wellness and beauty products and clothing. I would say it was one of the first of its kind. For sure. Yeah, I completely agree. As per the New York Times, by 2014, Goop had 15 employees but still worked in a shared co-working space. At this point, the business was in the process of sourcing funding from people outside of Gwyneth so that wasn't just purely her on the line or her wealth on the line. In other words, she was also really committed to excelling Goop's growth by welcoming investors in. Yeah, around this time, she actually sat down with Goop's chief executive, Lisa Gersh, for an interview with the New York Times. And I did love this story, (laughs) knowing what Goop became as well. Here's a passage from the story. Miss Paltrow and Miss Gersh, however, have an idea of what's to come for Goop. World domination, Miss Gersh laughed. Next to her, Miss Paltrow let loose a nervous giggle and flicked her hair. She may have been imagining the headline the next day. Miss Gersh, however, looked unabashed. It is, after all, what she has been hired to do. Hmm. However, there was one part of Gwyneth's life that was perhaps not going so well in 2014. On March 25, a new post appeared on the group website titled Conscious Uncoupling. This was a statement signed off by both Gwyneth and her husband, Chris Martin Zara, and it essentially announced that they were getting a divorce. Correct. It read as follows. It is with hearts full of sadness that we have decided to separate. We've been working hard for well over a year, some of it together, some of it separated, to see what might have been possible between us. We've come to the conclusion that while we love each other very much, we will remain separate. It went on, we are, however, and always will be a family. And in many ways, we are closer than we've ever been. We are parents first and foremost to two incredibly wonderful children. We ask for their and our space and privacy to be respected at this difficult time. We've always conducted our relationship privately. We hope that as we consciously uncouple and co-parent, we will be able to continue in the same manner. Mm, Underneath this note from Chris and Gwyneth was a photograph of the two of them sitting on the ground and smiling at the camera. Below that, there was a lengthy explainer article unpacking the term conscious uncoupling. This was... (laughs) This lot... People lost their minds over this. I actually almost think this was the biggest celebrity story of 2014. One of, for sure. Everyone was obsessed in a bad way with the term conscious uncoupling. This was the definition of an eye roll for the public. Oh my God. To the point where this is like quite embarrassing. But when I got engaged this year (laughs) and I was like posting it on Instagram and you know, like rolling back and forth on what to post, I wanted to post consciously coupling or consciously (laughs) coupled. But I was like, what if people can't get there fast enough and that's way too associated (laughs) with the breakup if you take the un out. But that's how much it's still part of people's lexicon. Yeah. It's so part 
of our dictionary now. I think as well, the public saw this as the prime example of Gwyneth and Chris taking themselves too seriously. Yeah. Like even in separating, they were taking themselves so seriously. We, we've spoken about this before, used to work at Mamma Mia way back in the day. And I remember when I began at Mamma Mia, one of the top stories of 2014, I think it was like two of the top five were about Gwyneth and Chris and conscious uncoupling. Women were obsessed with unpacking this divorce statement. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is, divorce is so hard on so many people. Yeah. And I think it's very hard for people. I think most people have been touched by divorce to see it spoken about in such like a civil, <laughs> relatively wanky way. Just yeah. felt a bit insufferable at the time. That said, it's also their prerogative and it has always been their prerogative to frame their split in whatever way they want. And again... Gwyneth was a trendsetter. Now we constantly, constantly see celebrities, may, they might not use the term conscious uncoupling, but, but the they put out. is there. Absolutely. Again, she was ahead of the curve. Now, what on earth does conscious uncoupling even mean? Here is Goop's own definition in that original post. A conscious uncoupling is the ability to understand that every irritation and argument was a signal to look inside ourselves and identify a negative internal object that needed healing. From this perspective, there are no bad guys, just two people, each playing teacher and student respectively. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Does it just mean... We're trying to do this in a lovely way. <laughs> Teacher and student. <laughs> anyway, the article echoes much of what Goop would end up being criticised for, I think, in years to come. Mm. There was a whole lot of buzzwords. There was some vague definitions, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I think some stuff that didn't really mean anything in a real life context. It's like, how do we apply any of this <laughs> to real life? Regardless, the announcement was such a big deal at the time that Goop actually crashed, unable to handle the amount of traffic attempting to visit the site. Yeah. So not a bad business move as well. Not at all. At the time, it wasn't clear exactly what caused the breakup between Chris and Gwyneth. A People magazine article suggested that it was to do with their busy schedules. This is a quote from that article. Distance and competing work schedules were always a challenge for the pair who had long divided their time between their homes in London and Los Angeles. We did learn a little more later, Zara, years later, about what caused the end of this marriage when Gwyneth penned an essay for Vogue. Yeah, in that essay she wrote, I don't recall when it happened exactly. I don't remember which day of the weekend it was or the time of day, but I knew that my marriage was over. What I do remember is that it felt almost involuntary, like the ring of a bell that has sounded and cannot be undone. She went on, we were close, though we had never fully settled into being a couple. We just didn't quite fit together. There was always a bit of unease and unrest, but man, did we love our children. I started to wonder, as impossible as it sounded, whether there was a way we could continue to feel the structure of our family on some level. Could we create a paradigm whereby we still ate our meals together, vacation even could we find levity and laugh but more than that could my ex continue to be a family member someone who would continue to protect me and want the best for me could I be that for him I mean that's the best definition of conscious uncoupling I've ever read I mean if they had said that at the time people would have got it but also you don't want to give that much up that early you don't want to put out to the world exactly what you want in case you fail it's stressful exactly I completely agree but I think this This passage about vacationing together and eating meals together and having that 
that structure of a family still. I get that. It feels accessible. I feel like I understand it. That was what was lacking years before. But I agree with you. If she had said years before, and we're going to go on holidays together, and we're going to eat dinner together, you're setting yourself up for failure. Anything beneath that then looks like an acrimonious divorce. Completely. And it also has a lot of eyes on you watching what you do. Mm. And that would be stressful too. After the break, we're going to talk about life after Chris Martin. All right, Zara, we're fast forwarding just a little to 2015. After her divorce, Gwyneth started dating a 43-year-old television writer, director and producer by the name of Brad Falchuk. They made their first public appearance together at the premiere of a film that Gwen's mother, Blythe, had actually starred in. These two met when Gwyneth was still married to Chris Martin. They actually met back in 2010 when she was guest starring on Glee. Now, Brad was one of the co-creators of Glee. Yeah. Brad was also divorced with kids at this point, And by all accounts, they seemed like a pretty good match. I think what's most interesting, though, about diving into the relationship between Brad and Gwyneth is that there's not that much around on them. They seem relatively boring in the best way possible mm. and seems to be a common thread with her relationships in the last sort of 10 to 15 years in that keeping them as boring as possible. There's actually nothing around to say about them. You are so right. I am so interested in everything Gwyneth. Am I interested in Gwyneth and Brad? Not really. And I think most people would sit in that camp where they just don't I just really don't have really, an interest. No. And I think to be a celebrity that's that famous is the smartest thing you can possibly do. 100% agree. Now, 2015 did see more criticism come Gwyneth's way. This time, it was because Gwyneth participated in something called a food stamp challenge. Now, basically, the idea behind a food stamp challenge is that you experience how difficult it is to survive on just $29 a week for food. Now, that is how much funding was provided on SNAP food programs at the time in the United States. So essentially, it's people who live above the poverty line saying, let's experience what it's like for so many Americans day to day. And we're going to do it for a week to raise awareness. Yes. Now, according to pretty much everyone, Gwyneth did the challenge. Very wrong. Very, very wrong. On April 10, 2015, she posted a photo of her weekly shop for the challenge. She wrote, this is what $29 gets you at the grocery store. What families on SNAP, i.e. food stamps, have to live on for a week. Now, the reason this post seemed to upset a lot of people was because in her photo, she had eggs, beans, rice, peas, tortillas, kale, garlic and onion, a tomato, spring onion, coriander, a sweet potato, one chili and seven limes. Seven limes. Now, seven limes. <laughs> it was the seven limes that people oh, really, really tapped into. Absolutely. I mean, people were so mad. I think the main criticisms leveled at Gwyneth were basically that people were annoyed that she was sort of trying on poverty as a rich person, but which actually was the point of the challenge. So well, yeah. can you take aim at Gwyneth about that or do you want to have a conversation about the challenge in general mm. and what Gwyneth actually spent the $29 on? 
everyone was like, it's too healthy generally, or there wasn't enough food, which was also kind of the point of the challenge in that there's not that much $29 can buy you. Yeah. Or that it's a humble brag. I saw that around when I was researching this to be like, oh, $29 and you're buying all these fruits and veggies. You're just using this as another opportunity to tell us how healthy you are. Yes. I I think that's the thing about maybe how we have considered Gwyneth all these years is that she's constantly been trying it on. Mm. Like she's been trying to put out this image that's inauthentic, but she's been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> like by this point, it has to be central to who she is. Like it can't be an act. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one for us. Like what is it that we feel so affronted that our comparisons between how we might spend $29 at the shops, to be blunt, I don't spend $29 anything like this. Like I wouldn't have nowhere near as many fruits and vegetables. It's like we see Gwyneth living a certain way as a direct comment on the way we are living, which is an interesting human reaction. For sure. So there was a few things going on here. Time ran a pretty damning piece with the headline, Sorry, Gwyneth Paltrow, poverty tourism is gross. The piece read, The point seems to be lost on Paltrow, who tweeted a picture of a $29 haul, which included rice, beans, eggs, some leafy greens, and an exorbitant amount of limes. It's almost as if she was trying to prove that you can eat a really healthy diet in New York City on just $29 a week. Can she live on that for a week? Being Gwyneth Paltrow, probably. Is it feasible that a normal person with normal cookware and normal life stresses could much less likely (sighs) the sydney morning herald published a takedown of gwyneth's approach to the challenge as well their article read paltrow's grocery list was a little unusual given the task she came home with a dozen eggs some black beans and brown rice and an array of fruits and veggies including a baffling number of limes Seven, the Washington Post's Abby Phillips said it looked like tacos in the making. Others noted the ingredients were better suited for a Peltro detox recipe. The whole bag of food would have likely given her roughly 1,000 calories a day to work with, according to journalist Rebecca Vipod Brink. Slate, however, was sympathetic. According to her critics, Gwen's choices, she dared to include cilantro, limes and a hot pepper alongside black beans, eggs and rice are too goopy, photographed too preciously. For some, it was not enough food, um, part of the point of the exercise. In any case, it was wrong, wrong, wrong. To which I say, cool your burners. In this case, we should all be team Gwyneth. Like, just heaps going on and as I said I think there'll always be worthy conversations to have about the net good of challenges like these Mm. like how good are they do they have an impact I would love to actually see studies on what the outcome of them are but for people to come singularly at Gwyneth Paltrow for how she actually genuinely would spend $29 is quite funny yeah we see far fewer of these kinds of challenges these days these were very of the moment in the 2010s I can't remember the last time that I personally saw anyone doing a challenge like this on social media but I agree I think we love to come for Gwyneth Paltrow yes and I've certainly learned that doing this series sometimes it's valid sometimes we're just really fucking snarky about Gwyneth Yeah, in any case, Gwyneth couldn't stick to the challenge and she wrote about that on Goop. She said, as I suspected, we only made it through about four days when I personally broke and had some chicken and fresh vegetables and in full transparency, half a bag of black licorice. My perspective has been forever altered by how difficult it was to eat wholesome, nutritious food on that budget, even just for a few days. A challenge that 47 million Americans face every day, week and year. A few takeaways from that week were that vegetarian staples like 
like dried beans and rice go a long way. And we were able to come up with a few recipes on a super tight budget. Mm. She also noted in that post that she had made a donation to the food bank ahead of participating in the challenge and ahead of all of that criticism. Now, Zara, let's turn our focus to the criticism that we believe is perhaps more deserved. Yeah, absolutely. As you know, coming from somewhat humble beginnings as an email newsletter, Goop transformed over the years into an extremely successful business. In fact, reports from the Times suggest that Goop was worth about $250 million as of 2017. It's kind of funny and interesting though, like evaluations of businesses were quite big Mm. five to six years ago. Like businesses were worth squillions of dollars. It's not (laughs) to say that they wouldn't have been worth $250 million then. It is just to say it would be interesting if that business was in 2023, what it would be valued. Yeah, I think particularly with techie, zeitgeisty, celebrity, online businesses, there was something with the valuations that people would just name a number high in the sky. 100%. It's like, (laughs) let's see how high we can go. Regardless, that's not taking away anything from the fact this was a big booming of the moment business. The first Goot controversy that we wanted to touch on, and for the record, guys, there have been so many Goot controversies (laughs) that we actually couldn't speak about all of them. We've just kicked the biggest ones or the ones that we care about the most and the ones that we think you will care about the most took place in Jan 2017 when Gwyneth was 45 years old. Yeah, exactly right. On January 12, 2017, a new product appeared on the Goop website. It was something called a jade egg or a yoni egg that had the sole purpose of being put into one's vagina. Now, when this first appeared on the website, the original one doesn't seem to still be live. There are a range at the moment that kind of retail between $60 and $80 USD. When it was originally put on the website, there were so many claims made about what this jade egg would do for its user, Zara. Well, yes, and the user's vagina. A person called Shiva Rose, who was described by Goop as a beauty guru, healer, inspiration and friend, wrote at length about the jade egg on the site. Jade eggs can help cultivate sexual energy, increase orgasm, balance the cycles, stimulate key reflexology around vaginal walls, tighten and tone, prevent uterine prolapse, increase control of the whole perineum and bladder, develop and clear pathways in the body, intensify feminine energy and invigorate our life force, to name a few. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some pretty serious claims obviously we have some that are a bit woo-woo like clear pathways in the body invigorate your life force but to say that you can prevent uterine prolapse is a massive claim and naturally experts and the media were furious as per stacy j futterman a physical therapist that spoke to vogue if someone has a weak pelvic floor using the egg might help or it might not but saying that a jade egg can alleviate uterine prolapse is absurd prolapse is a laxity of ligaments strengthening the pelvic floor helps support those organs but it does not change the structure of them dr jen gunter a gynecologist who regularly debunks goop claims and products on her blog wrote this about the egg the claim that the egg can balance hormones is quite simply biologically impossible pelvic floor exercises can help with incontinence and even gives stronger orgasms for some women but they cannot change hormones as for female energy i'm a gynecologist and i don't know what that is how does one test for it organically sourced fair trade urine pee 
pH sticks coming soon to Goop for $77, I presume. (laughs) Now, Goop issued a statement in direct response to Dr. Jen Gunter that read, the views expressed in this article intend to highlight alternative studies and induce conversation. They are the views of the author and do not necessarily represent the views of Goop and are for informational purposes only, even if and to the extent that this article features the advice of physicians and medical practitioners. Well, I don't know if that quite works. And it didn't because unfortunately for Goop, the statement wasn't enough to save them from being taken to court for their claims about the jade egg. The following year, California prosecutors investigated Goop and successfully found that the company was misleading consumers by making unsubstantiated scientific claims about the jade egg and two other products. Imagine publishing all of that on your website and then when you get criticism turn around and be like that's just the views of the author it's yeah. just her opinion <laughs> it's not us what the hell <laughs> now Vox reported at the time the prosecutor's investigation focused on three products the jade egg and the rose quartz egg that Goop sold with claims they could balance hormones regulate menstrual cycles prevent uterine prolapse and increase bladder control and the inner judge flower essence blend said to prevent depression. (sighs) Goop was hit with a $145,000 fine and they were ordered to reimburse any customer who purchased the products and wanted a refund. As per Vox, the most impactful part of the settlement is what happens next. Goop is now barred from making any claims about the efficacy of its products that aren't backed by reliable science and from selling misbranded, unapproved or falsely advertised medical devices. Now, that was from the Orange County District Attorney. So Goop officially had some pretty high-powered eyes watching what they were doing and monitoring whether or not they were actually abiding by advertising standards. Exactly. This order didn't stop Goop from selling the jade egg, though. To this day, the egg is still available on the site. Notably, though, the description does not include any unsubstantiated health claims anymore. I mean, as troubling as this all is, and I do have to be clear, it's very troubling (laughs) and irresponsible and all the above. It's quite the power move to just keep it on the site and keep selling it, like however many years later, like eight years later. Like there's a real sticking to guns there. A hundred percent. Now, it's worth noting that this was not the only Goop scandal to occur at the time. The company copped serious, serious flack for promoting stickers called Body Vibes, which claimed to use NASA spacesuit material to rebound balance the energy frequency (laughs) in our bodies. Here's what Goop originally published about the stickers on their website. Human bodies operate at an ideal energetic frequency, but everyday stresses and anxiety can throw off our internal balance, depleting our energy reserves and weakening our immune systems. Body Vibe stickers made with the same conductive carbon material NASA uses to line (laughs) spacesuits so they can monitor an astronaut's vitals during wear come pre-programmed to an ideal frequency, allowing them to target imbalances. Now, of course, these claims attracted the attention of not just the media, but also NASA, who spoke to Gizmodo. Now, this is the passage from the Gizmodo piece that interviews a NASA representative. A representative from NASA's spacewalk office told Gizmodo that they, and I quote, do not have any conductive carbon material lining the spacesuits. <laughs> spacesuits are actually made of synthetic polymers, spandex, and other materials that serve a purpose beyond making the wearer look like a resident of Nightmare Coachella. At the time, the Body Vibe stickers, and to be clear, these were stickers, <laughs> were being sold for $120 for a pack of 24. In January 2018, Goop was called 
called out yet again for promoting coffee enemas or more specifically for listing a $135 at-home coffee enema kit in their beauty and wellness detox guide. Mm. Writing for Forbes, Professor of Health Policy Bruce Y. Lee said, it is definitely possible that future prevention and treatment approaches will focus more on the intestines and poop. This does not mean that coffee enemas help or are advisable or even safe. The name seems to imply that people could give themselves coffee enemas without medical supervision. You heard that correctly. People injecting coffee up their rectums when McDonald's needs to have a hot coffee warning on their cups. Gee, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) So after the coffee enema scandal in July 2018, a partnership between Goop and publishing giant Condé Nast also fell through. When Condé Nast found Zara that they and Goop had very different ideas on what journalistic integrity looked like. Now, the idea was a pretty lofty one. Together, they were going to be making a Goop magazine, which Condé Nast's artistic director, Anna Wintour, described as something remarkable, a thoroughly modern take on how we live today. But as I said, their standards from the get-go were very, very different. As per The Guardian, Gwyneth Paltrow wanted to publish interviews with non-traditional healers and practitioners as they do on the group website. She wasn't especially concerned about checking whether what they said in their answers was medically correct or even scientifically possible. But Condé Nast insisted on claims being verified. When that became impossible, some interviews were replaced with quickly pulled together travel pieces. The magazine closed after two issues and the partnership ended two issues by october of that same year goop was reported to the advertising regulators this time in the uk for misleading and potentially dangerous claims the report was filed by good thinking society a charity that promotes scientific thinking and they claimed Goop was in violation of more than 113 UK advertising laws. As per The Independent, the charity highlights a number of Goop products that experts warn could endanger the public, including sun protection products costing up to £45 each and the Goop medicine bag, a selection of health-giving stones costing £76 each. In response to this report, Gwyneth said to the BBC, We really believe there are healing modalities that have existed thousands of years and they challenge maybe a very conventional Western doctor that might not believe necessarily in the healing powers of essential oils or any variety of acupuncture, things that have been tried and tested for hundreds of years. We find they are very helpful to people and there is an incredible power in the human body to heal itself. Mm. Interestingly, this didn't seem to really go anywhere like it doesn't seem like group has been fined by uk advertising bodies it doesn't seem like they were found to be in contravention of any rules well you have to wonder if the point was to get them fined or if it was to get the news the headlines the headlines to make sure people were really across the kinds of messages that goop was putting out Putting Goop to the side for the moment, we now actually need to revisit something that happened a long time ago that we actually mentioned in episode one. We're going to kind of fiddle with the timeline very, very slightly. We have to head back to 2017 
But this was the year that Harvey Weinstein was properly exposed as a predator and Gwyneth Paltrow was one of the first women to share her story. Yeah, if you've listened to the first episode in this series, which I hope you all have, (laughs) you'll remember that back in 1995 when Gwyneth was just 22 years old, she says that she was sexually harassed by Harvey Weinstein. In October 2017, Gwyneth Paltrow was interviewed for the New York Times to share her story about being harassed. She was also photographed for the publication and the published report led with her photo. The two reporters who broke this story for the New York Times are now two very well-known names, Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey. They later named Gwyneth as a key figure in the story against Weinstein. Yeah, they've spoken extensively about how crucial it was getting Gwyneth attached to this story because it gave everything else they were trying to report that little bit of levity. Mm. When they appeared on the Today Show to promote their new book, about Me Too titled She Said, and it's a great book, by the way, for anyone who hasn't read it. They both explained, Gwyneth was actually one of the first people to get on the phone and she was determined to help this investigation, even when Harvey Weinstein showed up to a party at her house early and she was sort of forced to hide in the bathroom. Now, this did happen. According to the Huffington Post, Harvey Weinstein did turn up early to a party that Gwyneth Paltrow was hosting at our home in the Hamptons in 2015. Now, she had just started talking to reporters about her experiences with him at the time. Yes, as published in the Huffington Post, Cantor wrote that she realised Paltrow had been trying to reach her when she saw a series of panicked text messages and missed calls on her phone. Paltrow suspected Weinstein had showed up to let her know that he was watching, according to the book. Still, Paltrow decided to remain at the house and the party unfolded without incident, the book says. I think Harvey Weinstein was extremely aware and extremely scared of what the implications would be if his biggest star ended up going on the record, Tui said. That is so terrifying. Mm. Like, I know that Gwyneth Paltrow has a lot of power in this world, but for someone with more power, Harvey Weinstein, to turn up early to a party you're hosting Mm. without you knowing as you started to talk to reporters about him, you'd be pretty freaked out. Yeah, you would also be asking how the hell does he know or what does he know? Of course, and it's like, who can I trust? According to the reporters, as the investigation continued, Gwyneth actually hosted a gathering for all of Weinstein's accusers and everyone involved in breaking the story. It's very moving when Megan Toohey and Jodie Cantor talk about this in their book as well, about how all these women met at Gwyneth Paltrow's house. She hosted them all and they sat around in this circle and spoke about their experiences and bonded and got to know each other because for so long when this investigation was taking place, they were all siloed. They Mm. have to be in order for the story to get off the ground. Actor Ashley Judd was actually also one of Weinstein's accusers and was included in the New York Times story too. She later spoke of this gathering. I was able to say to Gwyneth, I always worried about you. And Gwyneth was able to say to me, I was cheering for you. I knew that you were going to be the one to tell the story. And I'm so glad I did. If this is an example that people are layered and that you can find things that you like in someone and that you don't like so much in someone, I don't know what is. Now, in September 2019, Harvey Weinstein issued a rare statement to Deadline expressing his view of his working relationship with Gwyneth. 
He told Deadline, Gwyneth Paltrow comes from Hollywood royalty. Her father was a top producer. Her mother was a famous actor. Her godfather is Steven Spielberg. She didn't need to make movies with Harvey Weinstein. She wanted to and she won top awards and was the top paid female actor for nearly a decade with Weinstein. Her narrative of her job being at stake is just gratuitous. Yeah, Gwyneth never responded directly to this statement, but when asked during an interview what she thought about Weinstein now, she had this to say. I don't like to be binary about people or about things. I think we're all equal parts or varying percentages, light and dark. And I think that, you know, he was a very, very important figure in my life. He was my main boss. He, uh, he gave me incredible opportunity. And yet, um, during that time, we had a very, very fraught, complicated relationship, highs and lows. And the postscript to that chapter of my life is where it gets extremely complicated for me because um, information came to light about who he was and how he was behaving that I didn't know during my already very difficult time with him. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel. Yeah, it's interesting. She still feels deeply complicated about that time of her life Mm. and what the industry looked like. Let's fast forward a little bit to 2022. Now, we're not fast forwarding because nothing happened between these (laughs) years, but because there were so many goop scandals over the years that it almost felt like we stopped caring about them as much. Like Goop Mm. definitely made less headlines or less impactful headlines between the years of maybe 2018 to 2022 because I think we just got tired of hearing the same story. Do you agree with that? A thousand percent. I also think this really worked for Goop. I don't think they minded being in the headlines too much because I think what happened was every time a Goop controversy hit the media and everyone clicked on it, as we all did, I used to click on every single headline about Goop, Goop would probably find maybe 1% or 2% of people who would click on those articles who would be intrigued and they would retain, like they would find new audience members, new customers that way where that 1% or 2% would hang on and actually find it interesting. And the 98% would kind of roll their eyes but move on because it's just another Goop scandal. So I actually think all the controversies probably significantly built their audience base because every time they were just finding that 1% of customers who were curious. And the rest of everybody else got tired of it all and couldn't be bothered hearing about them anymore. So Gwyneth turned 50 in 2022. She's happily married. She's focused on Goop. Goop's still really big. And it's at that point at 50 years old that she was ready to make a comment on nepotism. Now, as we've gone through this series, we have noted how many people, how many media commentators have made note and made fun of and criticized Gwyneth Paltrow for being born into a very wealthy, very well-connected family. Now, in a conversation with a fellow Nepo baby, Hayley Bieber, (laughs) for her YouTube show, Who's in My Bathroom, Gwyneth said this, as the child of someone, you get access other people don't have. So the playing field is not level in that way. However, I really do feel that once your foot is in the door, which you unfairly got in, then you almost have to work twice as hard and be twice as good. Oh, this didn't really land no. based on where the public <laughs> it did was. Not land. <laughs> like she almost got not there fair. as well. When she said, once you've got your foot in the door, which you unfairly got in, like she was really, really close. close. She could have just said, you still have to prove yourself. Like I you agree s- with that. You still have to be decent to keep getting 
work. Unfortunately, instead, she said she's worked twice as hard and has been twice as good. Uh, Essentially. (laughs) Essentially, yes. Parade summed up the public response to these comments from Gwyneth and unsurprisingly, people were not amused. Twitter was quick to blast the Goop founder after hearing her strong opinion on Nepo babies. Someone even brought the famous film director Steven Spielberg into the mix, noting, not sure work twice as hard and be twice as good applies to the goddaughter of Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I think she almost got there, but I think the work twice as hard, be twice as good just... I don't believe it to be true. That's the thing. It's not just annoying. I think it's factually incorrect. That's the thing. Yeah. Which brings us to this year, guys. It's 2023 and Gwyneth is still making headlines for little controversies. In March, she appeared on the podcast The Art of Being Well, a podcast by the functional medicine expert Will Cole. A clip of Gwyneth's chat with Will subsequently went viral on TikTok for all the wrong reasons. We spoke about this on an episode of Shameless Podcast, but it would be a shame if we didn't re-tap into it here. Of course, it's our duty to touch on all the scandals. Here's a clip, the clip in particular that went viral and caused so much outrage. As a quick disclaimer as well, this wasn't just like one long quote from Gwyneth. This clip has sliced up a lot of her key quotes from the interview and put them together. What's your wellness routine look like now? I eat dinner early in the evening. I do a nice intermittent fast. I usually eat something about 12. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the morning, I'll have some things that won't spike my blood sugar, right? So I I have coffee, but I really like soup for lunch. Um, I have bone broth for lunch a lot of the days. Try to do one hour of movement. So I'll either take a walk or I'll do Pilates or I'll do my Tracy Anderson. And then I get in the sauna, I dry brush and I get in the sauna. So I do my infrared sauna for 30 minutes. And then for dinner, I try to eat, you know, according to paleo. So lots of vegetables. It's really important for me to support my detox. Now, it's worth reminding you, of course, that during this interview, Gwyneth had an IV attached to her arm. Now, the things that got the most backlash, I would say, was for her somewhat meager day on a plate and for her use of rectal ozone therapy. Yeah, people were equally befuddled by things like rectal ozone therapy and annoyed that a Hollywood actress was speaking so plainly about what they considered to be deprivation. As per page six, TikTok users were quick to comment on Paltrow's makeup-free appearance and just how out of touch her routine actually is. Insufferable, a user bluntly commented. She looks physically sick, so how much of those IVs are really helping, one person wrote. In order to defend herself, Gwyneth addressed the backlash by saying, I think it's important for everyone to know I was doing a podcast with my doctor. So this is a person I've been working with for over two years now to deal with some chronic stuff. This was a transparent look at a conversation between me and my doctor it's not meant to be advice for anyone else i think it's important to note as well that will cole her doctor is not a doctor not a medical doctor he's not a medical doctor at all on his website will cole clearly states i do not practice medicine and do not diagnose or treat diseases or medical conditions I focus my practice on promoting health and optimal function. My services are not meant to substitute or replace those of a medical doctor, but my programs are meant to work in conjunction with them. I think 
that makes everything Gwen said rather murky. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I also just hate, I know I've said this so many times in this podcast over the last five and a bit years, I don't like the lax definition of doctor and it's, how we use it. You cannot repurpose the word doctor. No, and like, he's a, call him a functional wellness expert or whatever sure. you want to, but calling him your doctor is, I think, intentionally misleading from Gwen. I agree. You don't see it in other lines of work, like a lawyer like you don't have you don't have someone coming to you and saying i i'm your lawyer because i studied a form of law that's not really applied in the day-to-day court you'll go to you're so right that doesn't happen but it does happen in the health space and i do think it can get really confusing for people and i do agree with you in the case of this story it was misleading this brings us though to where gwyneth is now she is still as we said happily married she is happily consciously uncoupled with (laughs) chris martin they seem to get along really great she seems to get along very well with chris martin's partner dakota johnson Mm. her daughter Apple is 19. Moses is 17. I cannot believe the Apple controversy was nearly 20 years ago. Isn't that insane? As for whether or not Gwyneth will ever return to acting, she doesn't sound super keen. She said in 2020, I think that when you hit the bullseye of an Oscar win when you're 26 years old and you're a metrics-driven person who, frankly, doesn't love acting that much as it turns out, I sort of felt like, well, now who am I supposed to be? Like, what am I driving towards? Part of the shine of acting wore off, you know, being in such intense public scrutiny, being a kid who's living every breakup on every headline, being criticized for everything you do, say, and wear. It's interesting to me. She's essentially saying, I've partly given up acting because of the public criticism. But I would say she's publicly criticized now more than ever in the wellness space. I wonder if it feels different for her. Yeah. When she was acting, she was publicly criticised for her relationships and what she was wearing and what she was doing. Now it's Goop that's criticised for health claims that she can say she's not making. And I honestly wonder if she feels like she is able to separate herself from that and doesn't feel personally attacked. I feel so many things about Gwyneth Paltrow after going through this. I think it's simply fair to say, as we've said throughout this episode in particular, that she is a deeply layered person. Some of those layers I have so much respect for. Mm. Some of those layers I really struggle with. But I would absolutely love to sit down for a cup of tea with her. Mate, same. Because she's not going to have, probably not going to have wine. So I'll have a cup of tea. I'll have a cup of herbal tea. Maybe not an IV drip, but I'll have a cup of herbal tea with her. I reckon she'd be a hoot over a conversation. I will say that. I think so too. I think I have, despite everything, a little bit of a soft spot for her. I think it's the Harvey Weinstein stuff and how she galvanized so many women. But I think she might come out a little bit net positive for me personally. No, I, I agree with that. I think it's hard to do this much research and not say, you know what, on a micro level, as I said, I, I think you'd be a good person to have a conversation with. Yeah. I do have a soft spot for her in some ways. And I think particularly when you go back to the death of her father and I think how a lot of this kind of alternative therapy stuff started, mm. I think it's worth having empathy for people yeah but i say that while equally acknowledging (laughs) she's not perfect and i'm still muddled i'm still really really muddled yeah i think maybe what i have respect for is that she sticks to her guns even when i don't agree with the guns she sticks to them i find that 
anti-flakiness in a person. It's admirable. Admirable that she just, she is who she is unapologetically. Completely. And she knows who she is. Guys, what a wild ride. That is three from three down. (laughs) Thank you as always to our researcher, Eilish Gilligan. If you want to come and support the show, click follow on whatever podcast app you are listening to, either Spotify, Apple, whatever it is that helps other people find us. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. What else are we on? I think that's it. We also have a newsletter. We the do newsletter have, never, never gets a shout out. Yeah, we do have a newsletter. <laughs> it's called Ask Shameless. We'll pop a link to sign up in the show notes. <laughs> that's all. That We're is done. all, guys. We'll be back in your ears on Thursday. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.